Welcome back to the Fraser Rice Podcast. Today we get to speak with Ashley Koff, who's a registered dietitian. She's also one of the top nutritionists in the country. In addition to a host of major corporate clients, Ashley advises many Hollywood and TV productions on better nutrition. She's the author of two books and acts as a spokesperson for many brands. She launched her Ashley Koff-approved brand to house the many facets of her practice. She joins us today to talk about nutrition and business. Welcome aboard, Ashley. Thank you. So, Ashley, when it comes to being a nutritionist or a dietitian, when do people make the decision to come see you? I would say that the majority of people are coming to see me based on some stimuli, right? And so that's a very, very general uh, answer. But, you know, that stimuli could be that they have a friend or a family member or they themselves have gotten a health diagnosis. Um, And that health diagnosis could be a great one, like, hey, I'm pregnant, or um, it could be, you know, an unfortunate one, I'm sick, or you know, I went to see my doctor and things aren't going in the right direction and before medication, I'd like to come see you or I'm going to have to take medication. I want to understand what that means dietary-wise as well. So lots of different stimuli. Living in, you know, sort of a sex-in-the-city world here in New York, a lot of people I run into see nutritionists because they're either looking to lose weight, change their appearance, get more energy. How do you get them to think about their goals? And in some sense, how do you inject realism into their thinking? And and if they're focused on a number on the scale, how do you maybe shift them to think more on performance or energy types of goals? Yeah. And, you know, a lot has changed, right? So I started um, down this path about 20 years ago. And really preceding that was my just my own personal interest. I had had what I came to understand was digestive issues, um, you know, from really having had a lot of antibiotics as a kid. And this is a fun story for a second. I was in Manhattan right after college and uh, was like at, at my wit's end of kind of like, why am I just not feeling well? I've tried sort of every diet or semblance of what I thought of as better nutrition at the time, and things weren't working for me. As you said, like my, it was all, it was the trifecta. It was my energy. It's like, I don't like where the scale is going. And oh, by the way, I'm training for a marathon. Like, how is this, you know, not all working? And I found myself in like a woo-woo doctor, like and not even a doctor. She was called herself a some sort of a healer. And the next thing I know, I'm on a seven-day goat's milk cleanse. And so that nobody thought that I was weird, even took goat's milk to the White Horse Tavern and had them put it in a um, a short glass with an ice cube in there and was like, well, maybe people think I'm drinking the, you know, white Russian. So, <laughs> you know, like you have your own pieces of this. And so I remember all of that. And so one of the pieces that I will say is I'm never stepping in in the position and trying to change what somebody's goals are. But what I do want them to understand are the physiologic ramifications of those goals. And when we have a conversation, what are you really looking for? So I think it's amazing if you have a goal. I really try to separate out, like, is it a dream or is it a goal? If you're here to see me, I operate in the world of goals, which means that we're going to put a roadmap together. But in order to do that, I have to assess where you are right now. And so that assessment, I think, is probably one of the things that yields um, the greatest uh, ability for a patient working with me to really see me as a partner in this space and to take that partnership. And I think they they give me uh, probably a bit of faith and hope in the beginning. And then when they start to hear me put connect the dots, 
then it's like, oh, wow, I've never had somebody ask me both about, you know, did I have ear infections as a kid and did I have skin issues as an adolescent and did I take birth control, right, or like any combination. And when I start to ask those questions and then say to them, hey, you know, you've been telling me that you haven't been able to get the scale down, but you're also telling me, you know, I'm looking at your food, you're eating, you're exercising. Do you feel like you're, you know, are you bloated? Are you, you know, this kind of a thing. We'll have those conversations. And so by really talking to people and having people assess themselves and to do so um, with my help and guidance, that is that usually gets them to a place where they're like, wow, I now understand the total picture. And I think that a big part of that is very few people that come in to see me today have not tried something else before. Like, I don't get somebody who, um, and whether you're seeing me as a patient or whether you're interacting with me at a lecture or somebody in the audience of a TV show or wherever I'm connecting with you, I promise you, and that is very different than when I started uh, out as a practitioner, but I promise you today that you've tried and at least one thing, if not several things. And so what I think that hopefulness and also tinged with a bit of failure, I think it's really important or feeling like things have failed or even that you are a failure. And so I try to shift that mentality also that it's like actually other things have failed you and, and you're not the failure. So long way around of answering that, you know, I think the key thing is, look, if somebody's goal is a number on a scale or, you know, I worked in Hollywood for a long time. If somebody's goal is to like not get, you know, not be on a, a, a um, uh, you know, at a, an award show, not be called out for having, you know, their body not look the way that, that Hollywood wants them to look or whatever, uh, I honor that. But it's really, I want them to really do it in a way that is helpful. And that's actually how I started my practice. My first couple of clients were like A-listers, super surprising, weird, you know, it was like a, a Duke uh, referral to me. And it was a film. And, I, and actually, a couple of guys had to lose weight and have a very dramatic weight loss through the film. And I ended up working with them for like all of $100 to just make sure that, you know, we didn't also hurt their liver and also didn't have them look badly into their next project or have any health issues going into their next project. So, um, you know, I have to accept what somebody's and, and really respect what somebody's goal is, but, I, but I'm not the person to come to if you're looking for, if you don't care about the health impact of what you're doing, then don't come to me. So when you're, when you're getting into the process of assessing people, do you do the thing you'd see on Access Hollywood where you go into the refrigerator and start tossing things out? How much of that is part of it? And then you're asking people to assess themselves. Are you a big proponent of sort of high-end journaling to make sure people are tracking what they're eating, what they're doing, what their habits are? And and then once you've got that information, how does that figure into your calculus and to help them uh, generate a program for themselves? Yeah, well, I, I can say that I've actually been on Access Hollywood throwing out stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, been on reality TV shows doing that. You know, there's a lot of stuff we do for TV and for drama, and it can be fun. Um, but the reality of it is, and, and with the self-assessment, you know, some people do great with journaling. The one thing I will say is that you do have to assess where you are. Um, so the, the mistake that people make, whether it's picking up books or whether it's um, uh, overhearing a program or sitting down and talking with somebody about a program and just starting it is that's not informed by who you are right now. And as a result, you're not going to get better results. And so I just uh, had um, have created the Road Trip uh, to Better Health workbook, which is a workbook and audio program so that more people who don't have access to me for a consult can uh, do this program that I've been doing for 20 years. And one of the, the reason I chose the Road Trip analogy is I think it's really important in this one. It's like we all have, our cars are all different. 
different. They may be in varying degrees of functioning, age, shape, you know, all that stuff. But before you're going to go on a road trip, you're going to figure out, okay, how's my car working for me? You know, like how, how much space do I have in the trunk? Like what, you know, is, do I have all the stuff I need? And so we do have to do that assessment. So for some people, it might be being in their home and saying like, okay, let me talk to you about one of, let, let's take an overall look at what you're doing and let's see what you're already doing better because I have not had, I've never in my entire career had a patient that is a total health hot mess. There's something that they're already doing better. And so with that, I want to build on that because it is easier. I've studied a lot of, I'm not a behavioral psychologist, but I've studied a lot of both in the business world and also in the, in the personal world, how to actually create behavior change. Because I realized very early into this and probably through my own experience that just giving information is not going to create behavior change. We wouldn't have smokers. We wouldn't have people that drove without their seatbelts. We wouldn't have a lot of things going on, you know, if information was just the answer. And so in that behavior change mode, I want to look at what you're already doing well, and I actually ask people about that on an intake form. And so one of the biggest clues is that if you don't do the intake form for me um, and, you're, uh, and you don't send it in, then you get a nice note, even if you have a scheduled appointment, you get a nice note from my team saying, so reschedule for when you have time to do the intake form because I can't meet you where you need to be. Like, I can't do this all for you. So I don't come into your house and actually throw stuff away. What I do is I come into your house and explain to you why we might want to buy and make better choices. And in very specific instances, and usually in the space of dietary supplements, will I say, absolutely not, I'm not letting you take that, or I'm not having you use that. Um, Sometimes people are even like, oh, my gosh, I just want to throw all of this away. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. Why don't we work with this stuff, and then let's get, when you make your choice the next time, whether that's food, whether that's skincare, whether that's dietary supplements, then I'll say, why don't we make better choices the next time? And the reason for that is, I believe that we do better when we set the standard at what I call better, not perfect choices more often. We asked about journaling, and basically, you know, I just see that just like learners, you know, we all learn differently. Like some of us love podcasts, some of us like to read books, some of us don't want to do any of that and want to watch it on TV. And so what I really look for is what's going to get me the information that I need in order to have an ongoing ability to assess what you're doing, and also what is going to hold you to a place where you can assess yourself. And that's really the role of the journal, and journaling is the one thing across the board that always works. And the reason for that is that accountability, but it's also when we start to stress out and say, like, I just don't know why I'm not losing weight on the scale. I may as well eat a burger. Um, You can actually send that, what you've been doing to me, or I've been getting it, and I can say, well, actually, here's what hasn't been working. And if you want a burger, here's how we have a better burger, right? And so it just is about making reducing some of the drama and anxiety and like that, you know, giving up uh, that happens so often that because we are starting to, you know, hit into a failure spot. And then the additional piece of documenting everything that is so critical is I do a lot of like, um, I'm sort of the quarterback, if you will, for the healthcare team a lot of times. It's my integrative medicine, integrative nutrition training, but also you know, if I'm making referrals, if I'm sending you to your doctor to say, hey, can you get your vitamin D checked? Or, hey, let's go to this trainer. Um, Are you doing more push-ups? Are you doing more? You know, that kind of a thing. And so I want to have all of that information in one place, and I recommend that you do as well. And so that part of the journaling and I even um, as part of my online membership, I have the um, Better uh, Checkup Checklist, which I have my patients and anyone who's a, a member 
take into their uh, doctor, and they also do work beforehand, but it's so that you get better results. Like, so if you have the information that you need, then we can, and if I have the information that I need, then we can work better. It's just like how you go to the office, right? It's like you wouldn't look at a financial deal. I'm about to enter a territory I know nothing about. <laughs> but you wouldn't look at a financial deal and just be like, okay, cool. I think I'm just going to throw, you know, a hundred grand at that and I'm going to pass on this one. You'd be like, okay, let me see both every, let me understand the deal. Let me understand what its future potential is. And, and then let me also look at where I am. Like equity is great, but if I have no cash right now, I'm going to have to make a different decision. And so I think that that, you know, when we look at it maybe in ways that are different from thinking about it as our health or our nutrition, uh, it becomes about doing the homework you need to do to get better results. So that leads into another thought that I have here. When you get information from doctors, how much information is enough? I imagine at some point, even doctors aren't you know, necessarily testing for the endocrine system or elevated levels of this or that. Uh, they almost have to know what questions to, to probe into. And I, I guess that ties into your integrative approach where You've got the set of questions that you'd like to see answered, but ultimately, how does that integrate well with a doctor that isn't used to working with a nutritionist in a, in a more formal way? Yeah, and I'm super grateful that um, more and more today, doctors are working with dietitians, with nutritionists, with health coaches. Um, I created my online membership so that any doctor can work with their patient in this way because I, just, I know and I saw this firsthand in the first 10 years of my work, I was referred by doctors so often, and they were like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, and I even had patients, again, it was L.A. or it was New York, who paid me to go to their doctor's appointment with them, you know, and I've reached a point in my life where I'm not going to go to doctor's appointments with my patients, but I can do it now, and also, thankfully, you know, we have all this, these virtual capabilities. You do get better outcomes when your doctor has better information about you specifically. And I'll tell a little story that can reveal just how important this is. I had seen a patient a couple years before, super wonderful, very healthy woman, came to me at like 79, 80, and had never taken a medication her whole life. She said, I'm just slowing down a little, but I have grandchildren around, you know, in different parts of the world, so I do travel a bit. But, you know, I go walking, and I volunteer here, and I do all this, and I, and I, so I said, so could we make this consult about me actually asking you what you did for your life? Because when I'm 80, I want to be like you, right? And so we talked about it, and what ended up being revealed was that she was having some digestive issues, um, and primarily they were because she wasn't used to being a sedentary, and long flights around the world were causing her system, and in particular, you know, um, from a digestive standpoint, she was more backed up. So she was constipated. She was like, what should I be doing? And so we talked about that, and I gave her some recommendations from a food standpoint as well as a supplement standpoint. And it was interesting at that point in time, she had told me that she had gone to see a chiropractor who had just like kind of been helping her back and, and, you know, and some of that stuff. And so great, great. She comes to see me. I'd forgotten about her maybe three or four years later, and she was a mess. She's so, so upset. And she said, Ashley, I just left the doctor, and I'm on two heart medications for high blood pressure, and now I'm so anxious that they're talking to me about, like, maybe that I need an anxiety medication, and I just I don't understand, and I, I really I just feel like I made a deal with my doctor that if I came to see you, that maybe there's something I'm doing nutritionally that means that I cannot be on these blood pressure medications. So I said, okay. 
So I evaluated her, what she was eating and drinking, and we talked about everything. We talked about her lifestyle, and I said, so the only thing I can offer you right now is there is a breath um, that I learned from Dr. Weil years ago, and he actually, before he put someone on high blood pressure medication, as far as I understand, you know, that he will have somebody work on doing this breath work as a series. And I said, so I can't say that for your doctor, but I can tell you let's start doing this and let's make an agreement with your doctor that, you know, we'll continue to assess and let's just get you off this medication, right? You know, and certainly off two of them. And first and foremost, let's address your anxiety. And I jokingly said, because your anxiety is going to just make you constipated again, you know, and I made a, a joke about it. And, and then she said, well, you know, that's so funny. I've got no problems there because, remember, that's even why I came to see you originally. And I started having that problem again. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah. And I said, um, and I'd already been through her supplements and her food and everything. And I said, when was that? And she said, well, you know, it was about, and she goes, you know, it's so funny. It was like right before I went to see my doctor. And I said, oh, and I said, well, how, how did you resolve it? And I said, did you go back to the magnesium I recommend? She said, no, you know what? I called up that chiropractor because somebody else I know sees him and he had this like supplement and he told me I didn't even need to come in and see him. And I was given the supplement and the supplement, um, you know, was great for, it was a fiber supplement. And so it was great. And I took it and I actually took it, you know, three times in one day, got my going and then continued to take it. And I said, can you just tell me what that supplement is? And I went online, I looked it up and I go, oh my gosh, you know, and I said, are you still taking it? She says, yep, I'm taking it twice a day, et cetera. I said, well, the second ingredient on there is one licorice root that spikes blood pressure. I said, you can't be on a blood pressure medication, first of all, and take this fiber supplement. But second of all, if we take you off this fiber supplement and we put you on your magnesium, I have a good guess that every, all of this is going to get back to where it should be. And so that's not to say, like, I was right, the chiropractor was wrong, or the doctor by not asking did anything, you know, any of those pieces. The piece to take away there is when, when more people have all of your information, you have a better chance of just getting a better diagnosis and getting better outcomes. And so doctors really appreciate somebody who comes in. And I have people in, on their phone just like you would put in, in case of emergency, a, a name or you might have a couple of names and phone numbers. I have people take pictures of the fronts and the back of any of their supplements and their medications and keep a folder in there. Because I have encountered where people have had weird things happen, either in this country or in other countries, and you want the doctor, by having more informed information, is just going, you know, things like fish oil and going into a surgery, like, that's just helpful in terms of somebody knowing what could be going on with your blood or your blood pressure, you know, or any of those things. So, again, I love to use stories because I think we can all relate to that piece. Like, if I was constipated, I would want to take the first thing that I could find that would resolve the issue, and I would never be thinking that it could trigger or exacerbate, you know, elevated blood pressure. And yet, as soon as I put that together for her, she's like, I can't even believe this. Like, this all started around that time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it is that bit of we have to remember to be better uh, what's the word, not storytellers, but when you're recounting, you know, we have to make sure that we're accounting for all of what we're doing and informing our healthcare providers of that. And that goes back to the journaling piece, which is the reason it's so critical is I can't even tell you what I had for dinner last night. You know, I have to start, I, Ashley, who is somebody who does journal so that if somebody does on a podcast does ask me what I had for dinner, <laughs> I can go back and look at it because, you know, if somebody, you know, if I happen to have an allergic reaction to something, I would rather that somebody has the information about what could possibly be a factor. 
this sort of feeds nicely into something that I'm interested in. Uh, for the busy bachelor like me that doesn't really cook that much but is concerned about maintaining energy, staying fit, etc., I find that one of the challenges is really picking a theme and sticking with it. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like there's a real overflow of information uh, and you know you can go into the fad diet world, into the cleanse world. You have vegetarians versus vegans versus pescatarians versus paleos all seemingly have attributes to them that work or don't work. Um, how do you help people keep that straight in their mind? And and, or, and I guess in some ways, how do you transcend those labels so that people are using using the good information that comes from those theories and then, you know, applying it well? Yeah, and you know, um, I've actually learned more about this from looking at um, how people approach the same things outside of the nutrition category. So one of the things that I will say, and I mean it like totally in a, um, I, like a, it's a, so first of all, I should back up and say, I started my career working in advertising, selling people sugared cereals, like so mea culpa, right? So this is in a totally non-judgmental space. Um, and when I say this, I include myself in the mix. We have not done a very good job of helping people understand how to assess their better nutrition and even what better nutrition is and isn't. And when I say we, it's the entire space of nutrition educators, um, you know, doctors, diet, like practitioner, like all of that whole space, and quite honestly, even teachers, school teachers, and parents. And so a lot of that comes from information that we haven't gotten ourselves. And so one of the things that I really focus on, and I, as I, so what I started to say is that I look at industries and, and case studies outside of the nutrition space to really be able to look at that, right, and, and get better advice. And I guess in that space, you know, where I was talking about the financial piece, it's like what you really want to do in any situation um, and I actually learned a lot from, and there's a guy that's going to be on my podcast. His name is Jocko Wolinick, and he also has a great podcast. It's the whole podcast world. Um, but he has a book, uh, Extreme Ownership. And um, I learned a lot from actually the military and how the military focuses on handling situations because in particular ones that are highly, that have the potential to be highly stressful or highly emotional. And when we're talking about our own health, our weight, our goals, any of these things, they can be highly stressful and highly emotional. You, and sometimes they can be life and death and often, you know, they uh, are, you know, extremely significant. And so extreme ownership is a great uh, and really looking at how the military functions in this space is really, in a, uh, I think, offers us a lot of value. One of the pieces in there that I took the most value from is certainly um, recognizing that um, you do have to triage or you have to prioritize better. And so one of the, I think to answer your question, one of the um, things that I notice with someone like yourself is that uh, we are very, um, we can be very good at identifying maybe all the things that we should be doing or even putting together a picture and, and, and laying out a plan of all the things that we're going to do. But the reality is we can't do everything at once. And so what I really focus on in that space is saying, okay, so what's going to get you the biggest um, better health bang for the bite or the sip or the not having the bite or the sip or the extra, you know, that kind of a thing. And so, you know, what I'll unpack in that situation is, are you not sleeping? You know, is it something where 
if somebody doesn't have good sleep behavior, then I can't talk to them very well about making better choices, especially as the afternoon rolls along, because at that time, we're seeing the negative impact of not having great sleep, right? We want more of the carbohydrates. We want the sweets. We want that kind of a thing. And if you're somebody who either lives in a place like in New York where cooking is less the norm um, and or if you're in a life space where you either – it's like, hey, I don't want to cook for one or um, buying groceries for one is really uh, frustrating or expensive or stuff goes bad – then what we'll do on that part is very much focus on what are better things to order when you're either ordering in or eating out, but also what can we do in the kitchen at home that's more of what I'll call uh, borrowing from Ikea, some assembly required. And, you know, maybe it's more about just having an introduction to the freezer and how, you know, having stuff available there. Or maybe it's like, hey, let's just make sure, you know, we throw everything into a blender once a day, not because I don't think you should use your teeth, but it's a great way to make sure that you get in some organic fruits and vegetables, some great spices, and things like that. And that's something that doesn't even have to require a lot of space or a lot of time or, you know, a lot of grocery shopping, you know, any of that stuff. So I think it's really about um, more the, uh, the strategic implementation of what should be prioritized and how that's what the, sort of the trickle down is from that. That's good stuff. Anything that gets me closer to John Hamm and away from John Goodman, I think uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. But I like uh, that. Yes. <laughs> the I have a couple of topics. It's really more from a bullet point form that come up as things that that people I'm sure ask about and. Just wanted to get your take on that. Water consumption. I mean, we hear all the time that you know you should be drinking at least a liter or two of water a day to keep things going. Uh, how much is too much, too little? Where does that fit in your worldview? Yeah, it's so funny that you asked that because I was just before we spoke, I was just putting signing off on the final approval. So on my under my uh, Better Nutrition membership, I have what I call Better Nutrition Tools, and there are a series of evaluations. Um, so I was on TV this morning talking about evaluating your magnesium and evaluating your potassium and evaluating your calcium and all of that. And um, the one that I get so often is the water question. And so it really, the, the water question and the protein question are probably the two that I get most often. And so I have evaluations for those as well. And the key thing is that there are, you know, again, this is a place where to make things simple, we have um, created things like either eight glasses of water, you should drink eight glasses of water a day. But then people are like, okay, well, how big is a glass? Um, or how often sh- does that mean I have to have it eight times or do I have it all at one time? Um, does coconut water or watermelon count as water? What about the water in my coffee? What about the, you know, and on and on, right? And then <laughs> it I have sounds like you need a people. lawyer. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then other places, you know, where, and I think it's so funny because in order to make it simple, we came up with like eight glasses of water a day. And, and my whole thing is like, so if you think you're not drinking enough water, drink some more water, you know, like that's, like that's usually the place that we start at, right? Um, especially like, you know, if you're having a, a glass of wine, then also drink a glass of water. Um, but another one that is often used is taking half of your body weight in um, pounds. So if you weigh 150 pounds, dividing it in half, and that would be 75. And then splitting up those 75 ounces into, if that's your water number, um, then that's a good starting point, and that's a great place to say, like, okay, so if I'm at about 75, I'm going to round up to 80 because I like the math easier, then I might need eight 10-ounce glasses or 10 8-ounce glasses and get my my 80 ounces in during the day. But 
with all of that, it really comes down to, um, and this is why in the evaluation I give you, I help you figure out that number, and then I go through what actually counts as water, um, what should not count as water, i.e. things that have like fake colors in them and artificial sweeteners and vitamins that um, are not naturally found in water added to them and not really good sources of those vitamins. Um, things like that. But what could count are your fruits and vegetables. Um, your coffee actually could count, uh, but you can't count all your coffee if you're having 60 ounces of coffee in the day. We should probably talk about other things if that's the case. But, mm. you know, so we kind of go through all of that. And then that's, and then I also look at where do you live? What's your exercise like? And I'll give you um, just some add-ons like, hey, ten, add 10 ounces for this or add 10 ounces for that. But for your listeners, so first of all, for your listeners, that's a super easy, so when you join the membership, the monthly membership, you have access to all of those evaluations. And my recommendation is usually to pick one or two in a month that you really want to focus on and then get the information and then work on implementing it. And I also have menus. I don't have a menu for the water, but I have a menu for like the magnesium and some of these other ones. Um, And the key thing with water, and as the daughter of a urologist, I learned this, um, is that water going in you is not the um, it is not where the issue of water stops. And so, water going if water goes in you and immediately goes out of you, or if you're somebody who is um, you know going to the bathroom all the time, then that's going to tell me that the water is actually not getting absorbed into the cells. And so, that's where I'm going to look at the potassium and the sodium. And then another area might be that if you're um, drinking water but you notice that you're still very thirsty, that can be a factor. And we can look at, you know, that could be anything from wanting to take a look at your blood sugar levels to um, the potassium and hydration. And it could also have to do with um, other nutrients. I was mentioning magnesium and, and some of the other pieces. So I think it really, you're, knowing your, your better water range and knowing how to allocate it throughout the day is really important. I basically operate super simple, which is... Um, you should be get you should be pit stopping for water at least as often as you're pit stopping for other nutrition during the day, and the reason behind that is that in all of your better nutrition pit stops, like so, if I'm stopping for a snack, if I'm stopping for a meal, I just call them nutrition pit stops, and if you're pit stopping. There are nutrients in there that are what we call water-soluble, which means that water needs to escort those nutrients into your cells. So if you're not consuming water, then they're not getting where they need to go. And so it's like I don't care if you're, you know, good on you that you're eating a kale or great on you that you're having, you know, quinoa or wild salmon or some other deemed superfood, but those nutrients, many of them need, require water in order to get into the cells. So um, we should be pit stopping at least that often. And so what I'll do with your better water range, if it's the 75 or the 80 ounces, is I will split it up throughout the day because we don't. what we also don't want to do is overwhelm the body. A lot of um, my clients will, or patients will come in the door and tell me that, you know, they'll throw back 40 ounces of water in the morning, but then they don't touch water all day. Um, and then they're, you know, when they come home at night, they'll have more water. And it's like, wow, you know, that's kind of hard, that's harder on your bladder and on your system But at the same time, I usually will also point out to them, you know, that iced tea that you had at lunch was also some water. You know, when you do have, if you want to swap your um, your, uh, coffee latte for an Americano with a little bit of, you know, milk or something in it, then we can actually get more water in that way. So part of it is also just getting strategic about how to get more of the water in. So that was a long, you thought it was a bullet-pointed quick one, but you can see just how messy it's gotten, right, in the world of what is and isn't better nutrition. Well, no question about it. And that, that leads to two other thoughts. And you hear old wives' tales or rules of thumb about speed of eating and taking your time while you're eating, and that, that makes a big difference not only in 
probably good digestive health, but also in terms of feeling fuller and uh, maybe, maybe maybe dealing with portion control a little bit better, but also timing of eating. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the idea that you should really load up on breakfast and have light dinners. Where does that fit in your in your thinking? Yeah. Well, those old wives that, you know, they, they probably lived to be old because they were really healthy because they were paying <laughs> attention to these things. You know, they're, they're not tales. It's good advice. Um, and I think, a, you know, a key piece in that is that, so, can you eat something quickly if you're on the go? And is that oftentimes better for you than not eating something, getting hangry and not being likable or performing well or overeating later? Absolutely. Is it better for us to not eat quickly and in a rush more often? Absolutely. So I think, you know, we have to give ourselves permission to be real and to acknowledge that life happens. One of the things that I like about liquid nutrition is that, and so I mean soups or smoothies or, you know, um, some juices, especially if they're made with organic vegetables and not too high in, in fruit sugars, um, then those are going to be great options for you if you are on the go and want to have something fast where your digestive system is not going to be as overwhelmed if you, as if you, you know, threw back like a whole sweet green salad in like a second, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so I think that there are ways that we can strategically say like when I am in a hurry, I make this choice. But you're also right, the body doesn't really have time to register. So the body actually is like, you know, the think of the um, person, the cashier checking you out at the grocery store that's like lifting up the apple, checking the code, passing it along, picking each product, et cetera. The body is doing that and wants to do and figure out what it should be doing with each of those things. And so if you do it super fast, then there are more, more likely that mistakes are going to be made or more likely that the person is going to try to work really quickly and just throw stuff into the bags. And if at the bottom of the bag was your eggs, like who's to blame in that situation? And so that's an analogy to basically say that both digestively, and so you're absolutely right, the things you picked up on, digestively, how it impacts your overall energy, whether the body actually registers how much it actually got in order so it how it feels full, but also do you feel satisfied? So a lot of people will recount, and I have this personal experience of if I have something, even if it's absolutely delicious, but if I have it really quickly, then I haven't necessarily enjoyed it to the full extent. And so what I will try to do is tell people to take at least two bites really savoring those two bites. And then if you need to eat more quickly, um, great, or maybe you'll actually notice that you could be happy with less of it, have less of it, and, you know, and go that, that route. Um, so, you know, again, we have to match things for our, our lifestyles, and um, I don't want to tackle, you know, some of the, the most successful people I know, I understand, and in particular, I, I think fondly of my father, you know, surgeon, who would say, like, I just, I would have a tiny amount of, it took me so long to make sure that he ate something in the middle of the day, right? Like, so I don't want to take that away. And so him eating something quickly, I get, or, you know, I talked about the military piece, like if it's like, okay, we have, you know, 10 minutes for chow and then we're on to the next thing. I'm not the person to say, let's change all of those behaviors. But I think, especially when we're talking about, um, I think we have to recognize the times when we are not, when we, we can actually say, you know what, I need to allocate more time to my eating and that's going to be really important. And so I think on the second part, the timing um, is, you know, there are all these different things, right, like breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, dinner like a pauper. 
Um, if that works for you, uh, it depends on really how a king eats. I've seen some kings eat um, not great, and I don't love their breakfast, you know, and, and I, I mean that very truthfully. There are a couple of kings that are, that are my patients, and, you know, I think in that way, part of what I'm, I'm making a joke about it, but I think it's also important to just say size is not really the factor there. So what we really want to understand is that when we wake up in the morning, we're dehydrated, um, but we also should hopefully have a clean slate, but it's going to depend on in that our body got, you know, allocated and, and got done with everything that needed to do overnight. It is going to depend a bit on how we slept. And so I do have people who didn't sleep well, and as a result, they wake up really hungry. And their hunger is because the body is like, I need something to give me some get up and go, right? And that might be turning the coffee or to more caffeine, um, and others may just turn to a higher quantity of food. That what we never want to do is overwhelm our, our system, our body. And so no matter if it's dinner time or breakfast time, your gas tank is still the same size as a gas tank. And so I think if we use that analogy, I use a lot of car analogies in, in nutrition, um, then it really does come down to what are the choices I'm going to make to fill up that gas tank. And, if, and I do find that especially if somebody's trying to trim some fat or um, really struggling to lose weight, I, I work with a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women who are just like, why is this not happening? You know, it's like just so frustrating to even lose a quarter of a pound. And at that point, I will do a little bit of a dance with saying maybe we'll have less carbohydrate, and I'm not going to have you have more fat or protein, but I, if you are hungry, I'm going to um, increase your amount of non-starchy vegetables. And I'll do that in the evening because I don't find that we really need or benefit from those extra carbohydrates in the evening, and that might be a way to help the body um, reduce a little bit of the fat. But overall, I'm a pretty, like, I do believe that we really need to think about our bodies more like a race car in that our body wants to come to the, the starting line, have the fuel that it needs in it, you know, the air in the tires, the gas in the tank, the windshield wiper fluid, whatever else, the, clean, the car's cleaned and ready to go. And then we, we run to our next pit stop, and we're usually, you know, and then we reload, and we're not reloading with, like, an extra tank of gas, right, because that weighs us down. And I think that that's a great way of thinking about and, and really what runs counter to that massive breakfast idea, which um, also, by the way, is just a, a very unfair thing to do to your digestive system. Um, the, 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 another analogy I would give is if you walked into the door, and maybe this happens to many of us, on a regular basis, or you open up your computer and your boss dumps like the entire day's work on your desk before you've sat down, right? Or you open your email and it's like, you have 672 emails. How much better would you feel if it was like, oh, you have 30 emails, and you're like, I know I can get through 30, and then in another couple of hours it was like, oh, you have 30 emails, you know, or same, your boss said, you know, hey, I, you know, you just got here. I'd love it if you could get this done before, you know, 11, and then at 11, why don't you come into my office and we'll go over what I'd like you to do until 2 o'clock and kind of go through that way. So, A, that would make for better bosses. B, hmm. that would whoever can create that app for my computer, please do so now. And if it exists, please share it with me. And, you know, and three, think of your digestive system that way. So to circle back to caffeine, it's become a, you know, it's, a, it's almost like its own food group for many people. I, I somehow, uh, I enjoy a coffee very, very infrequently, and I don't really rely on it to get up or to get through the afternoon, which is, uh, I guess, a blessing in this day and age. But it's definitely not most people's uh, lifestyles. How do you, how do you manage around that? 
Yeah, you know, it, so um, I don't think that, so I, I think the, the key thing, and this is like one of those assessment pieces, so there are people that, and patients of mine, that absolutely cannot have caffeine. And, you know, and it could be during pregnancy, right? And people, I have women who are just like, oh, like the one thing. So I'm like, okay, so we've just got to find another one thing, you know? And and I, do, I am not the person that turns around and says, oh, my gosh, the gift of having a baby. No, no, no. When you want your, want your coffee or you want, you know, so we'll figure out, like, what's that thing, like, you know, that we can replace that with and, and how are we going to help you feel better? Um, and so that, so that person, the person that has high anxiety, the person who has um, digestive issues uh, may not, you know, especially if it's like an acid reflux, they may not do well with coffee, but maybe there's something or maybe there's a different way we can have coffee, that kind of a thing. But if you're somebody who should not be having it, then that what I have to do is find something. We have to turn around and say, okay, what can you have in that space? For the rest of, of everyone else, there's really a question. There is caffeine sensitivity, and there's caffeine sensitivity, and there is... Um, salt sensitivity or sodium sensitivity, and it just it, it's different for everyone, right? And it also um, really is different at, at different life stages. And so this is me talking to you on the phone, not having had any caffeine today. So I do enjoy having caffeine, but the problem is when I have it, like no one can keep up with me. I learned very early on after doing two shots of espresso before going on the Today Show that, like, that can never happen again because I was done in a minute and ten, and the host was like, so, you know, what do we do? We've got four minutes, you know, to, on, on this part. So I think in that way, you you want to recognize how caffeine is going to impact your overall performance. Caffeine is a stimulant. It is not um, going to provide you actual energy. It is a stimulant. So I think that's a really important distinction because energy is going to come from our food. Energy is what our body, our car, if you will, gets, you know, that's the fuel for it to run. And so I think with the stimulant part, you need to understand what happens with stimulation. So it stimulates you. So that is going to stimulate muscle contraction. That can be amazing. You know, it's great before a workout. Uh, it can be great for fat burning, um, but it can also stimulate your uh, bowels. And so it may not be great if you're going on a long run, or it may not be great if you're going to be away from a bathroom, or if you're somebody who is going in to give a talk and now you're going to be nervous and, you know, it's going to make you sweat more or go to the bathroom more, or any of those things. So I get very graphic in my nutrition dis- discussion. No, oh, it's important. you got to watch yeah, out for these things. <laughs> totally, totally. And so, so the caffeine piece is really understanding – um, a, what's your sensitivity? How much stimulation do you need? And what are you going to use that for? So for me, I, I fall into the category of loving to use it for um, sports performance and, and that piece. Um, and also, you know, I'm really not good at sitting still for a long time at a conference. And so, you know, I may use caffeine there, but I've noticed that there are different types of caffeine. So tea for me is a better, like it's a, more of a rolling hill than a peak and valley, right? Right. And then, there's the other part which I find, which is if you don't like the taste of your caffeine, then we run into a whole other problem, which is you're going to do a lot of things to make your caffeine that you feel that you need really taste good, and that's often where we run into nutrition issues. Um, so what I also try to do is figure out what's the better way that we can make you, that we can help you get the, ca- the, re- the better caffeine amount for you um, and also have it deliver and be part of a package of better energy. So what I mean by that also is, if you're getting a stimulant boost from caffeine, you want to make sure that you're getting proteins and healthy fats at the same time. You and you may you can have some carbohydrate, but ca- carbohydrates are stimulating as well, uh, or not stimulating. They're providing you that energy. And so when you get the carbohydrate, the protein, and the fat in that moment, 
Um, what's going to be great about that is it's like you're getting into your car, and now when you're flooring the gas pedal, which is the equivalent of getting the coffee, you actually have gas in the tank, right? If not, you're flooring the pedal and your body, you know, it's like not having any gas, and you hear that horrible screech, and that's how a lot of us end up at about 10 a.m. unless we're like right in front of the, the coffee place and can get another coffee or make another cup of coffee. So it really is looking about at, at your your how you're using stimulants as a total part of your nutrition. And another factor with that is that a lot of um, multivitamins, even protein powders, things like that today, are adding in things like adaptogens, which are a class of herbs they are amazing for you, that help the body adapt better um, and can give you better in, in that way, um, can give you that stimulation, but not have you have the, you know, the high, um, because it's going to adapt to each individual, not have you have a high and then a low. But if you have that adaptogen at the same time that you're having the coffee, that's going to give you a different, each individual person is going to have a different response. And so I think you want to just be really clear about, you, you want you want to know what you're doing and you also don't want to test it out in a situation that might not um, prove good for you, like going on a road trip and having horrible road rage because you are having a lot of caffeine. Yeah, so, no, no one wants that. A lot uh, <laughs> of good conversation on caffeine. But yeah. uh, so one one last uh, nutrition topic before we sh- switch gears. Uh, yeah. NutraSweet and aspartame and mm. sort of the uh, artificial sweeteners. Uh, I know a lot of people, myself included at one point, really gravitated toward that as a way to cut calories. Mm-hmm. But I've now, I personally have come to the conclusion that they, it, it, it's much closer to poison than than an actual uh than an actual help uh where does that fit in uh within your program yeah so not at all um so so artificial things don't fit into my program because the body just wants to figure out and use it doesn't want to have to do a ton of figuring out but it can figure out um how to use what you're given what you're giving it if it recognizes it and the problem with with the artificial stuff, and I'll I'll, I'll lump sugars, fats, um, colors, all of it into there, is first of all we're trying to cheat, and the body is smarter than us. So we, you know, tail between our uh, our legs, we come back and are like, oh man, and it didn't even work. Like now, you know, my, my taste buds are thousands times sweeter. Um, so an, an apple doesn't taste sweet to me anymore. I have to put sugar on that apple, or you know, any of those things. Um, but it also, we notice that, um, and we find that, you know, there are, it's not solving the health problems. It's not helping people lose weight long term. It's not, you know, all these other pieces. And I had a lot of people that would like say drink a Diet Coke as their sweet treat in the middle of the afternoon. Um, you know, diet soda, I should say, so I'm not picking on Coke, but, um, you know, uh, and instead of having food, but then what would happen is it would backfire because then at five o'clock it was like, okay, I needed to eat everything in front of me, you know, as I walked into the door. And so, I think the the cheat doesn't work and the artificial doesn't work for me because when you are putting something in or on your body more often, that's going to impact your health. And it just the artificial stuff deducts from your health because it's not it's not giving whether or not it's bad for you is just a secondary point. The first point is it's not giving you something that the body uses and uses well. And so I think that's the strongest argument that I have. The layering on top of that is the, the piece that there is so much that we cannot control for from an exposure standpoint. Like, 
you know, we can't control for what's in our air, what's all the stuff that's around us, you know, all these different things that we're exposed to, nor do I want to live my life in fear or like constantly, you know, trying to, I mean, we've seen people where it's, you know, who were obsessed or currently are obsessed with the antibacterials and trying to like always be clean and all this stuff. And it's like, hold on a second, that's actually not healthy for you either. You want the body to have to do its workload but in order to do its workload better, it needs to have better resources. And the resources come from your food and your beverages. And so the artificial stuff just has no, no, it's not in, in my space at all. That is a hard and fast line between what I call chemistry lab projects, which were awesome for chemistry class, but not uh, for what we want to be putting in or on our body. Cool. Uh, so let's shift now to something that I find sort of equally fascinating is how you've turned what I would describe as, uh, you know, a nutrition practice into a uh, kind of a media brand. Uh, you've got clients who are individuals and you've got companies and brands and organizations in addition to dealing with all of the media. Uh, how do you organize your time? How did you how have you found a way to delegate uh, and to be able to do what you do and at the same time uh, find a way to scale that? Well, I'll let you know when I have <laughs> and have it in that way. So, so several different things have happened at different points in time in my career. Um, I think that I'm probably no different than any other business person, and yet um, I would say really, and this is being very honest and I'm not one to, like, um, it, you know, it, I, this is just, Super saying it as it is, I don't think I paid attention to my to owning and running a business until about the last three or four years. There's a lot of great stuff that happened because of that. So what I focused on early on was uh, knowing the stuff I needed to know to be able to help people. And then the second part was um, really uh, being able to help as many people as I possibly could. And that was when I was working with patients six or seven days in Los Angeles a week um, and sometimes having very uh, demanding patients who wanted to have me on call, so I let them do that as well. And what I actually noticed is it was keeping me from my better health, um, but I also noticed that uh, in that early time, I was able to do all of that. You know, I, I was building a business. Um, the more patients I saw, the better I got exponentially during that time period. Uh, I was working in a gastroenterologist's office, so a lot of my patients were coming to me for digestive issues. So it was really, it helped me really quickly see both um, what were the challenges with the information that people were getting or not getting, and also what were the tools I needed to be providing. Um, so during that time period, I was young, I was relatively healthy, and it was like, okay, then I'm going to, in that space and time, um, I'm, I, it was okay for me to not focus as much on myself. Part of the backup to that was that in the process of deciding to become a dietitian, I had spent a lot of time, I mentioned my digestive issues and stuff before, working on my own health, and so I was pretty dialed into where I needed to be. But I will say during that time period, you know, there were some things that I started to not do as well with. And then one of the other things I did at that space, and I highly recommend whether it's getting a coach or whether it's getting a therapist. For me, I got a therapist for my business. That's going to sound like super L.A., like L.A. story. But the reason I did it is I needed um, to be working with somebody who was also bound by HIPAA privacy and my privacy um, in a clinical setting because part of what I was struggling with was how can I, um, first of all, not try to fix everyone and rather help them fix themselves 
And then the second part of it is, is how can I also not take their stories home so that, or just when I get home, not want to hear anyone else's stories. And that didn't, wasn't boding well for my relationships or just how I felt, you know. And, and you know, you, you encounter as a practitioner people really let you in deep, and especially when I'm asking the kind of questions. And I was, you know, hearing stories and, and learning about people, and, you know, at times I would just be so sad. Um, and literally, I mean, I would leave, my office was in Beverly Hills, I would leave and I would go shopping. And I didn't have a lot of money, and I would go spend money on in Beverly Hills that I probably didn't need to be spending um, because that made me happy, right? I wasn't, I wasn't going to go overeat. I wasn't a shopaholic, but I, I probably was uh, pretty close on that part. So I think in that space, a lot of the initial groundwork that I did ended up playing out. But as I said, it is not stuff that I focused on from a business standpoint. The world is very different today in the business of nutrition, and so things happened serendipitously for me. Um, my dad's favorite quote is that um, Louis Pasteur, chance favors the mind that is prepared or the person that is prepared. And I, you know, I really think that a lot of what I was doing early on was preparation. And so I, I ended up getting somebody wanting me to be on TV. I had met a doctor earlier on who was writing a book and wanted my help with the book. And in doing those things, they ended up pushing me into more of the media world. I really loved it. I never thought about anything until I got a call one day from someone who had seen me on TV, and she's like, you're such a pretty girl. And I was like, well, that's great. Did you get the information that I communicated in the segment? And, you know, and, and she was like, no, I just wanted to tell you that um, I want to help you because uh, you um, look so unattractive on TV. And I was like, what? Like, I, you just had this moment. You're like, so I'm Thank you for the criticism. Yeah, totally. You know, I was like, <laughs> well, that's, you know, I was like, come on on that part. And, you know, but the interesting thing was that um, my friends who would say, you know, you're so approachable or we find it so easy to talk to you or my patients would, you know, when I went on TV, it was so important for me. I think I was like dressing up like an older person. Like I was like, I want someone to take me seriously. And, you know, I was, I was probably more robotic in that way. So as much as that wasn't fun to hear, it was helpful for me. And, um, and I remember actually going to a friend of mine who was a makeup artist, um, and at the time, she introduced me because part of the reason I didn't want to wear makeup all the time was I didn't like what was in the ingredients. She introduced me to some of the toxin-free makeups and or lowered, you know, and that kind of thing and showed me a couple of things I could always do. And that entered me into the, okay, now I have to care about my appearance on television space um, and kind of, you know, and what the media world was. And especially in L.A., you get a pretty quick um, indoctrination into that space and, you know, doing some reality TV. And then at the same time, I had brands that were reaching out to me and were saying, so you love our products. Um, we would love to pay you to share that love. And so I navigated that space, I think, pretty well. Um, I feel really good about, I can say it this way, I feel really good about the way I've navigated that space. Um, when I was paid for things, I um, never was exclusive to a company, and I always would talk about that relationship, like, hi, I'm here on behalf of, or this partner brought me here, or, you know, I like this product. And really, it would be products that I was taking or using or that whole thing. And there was just a lot less of it at that time. And so I felt comfortable doing it, and I felt that it was a great addition to my business. But any of the other pieces of my business that have added on have all come from uh, requests that people and practitioners have made of me for so they, it's that they needed tools and what could I offer. And so what I mean by that is, Doctors were consistently reaching out to me, as were my patients, saying, I went into the grocery store, you told me to buy organic bread, I have no idea what, what, what you know, is it this one or is it that one? 
Um, or more importantly, I'll say more importantly because it could be more dangerous, um, hey, is this the right supplement or is this not the right supplement, you know, that, that, go, that is the one that's okay to take with my medication, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I started this list, and I literally like pages of lists, and I used to write it, handwrite everything out. Thank goodness for, for the Internet. Um, and I created the Ashley Cough Approved, uh, which is now a not, it's always been a nonprofit project. I've never been paid to evaluate a product. And today, um, 15 years later, I've evaluated over 70,000 products. And that still exists on my website. And if you wonder about a product and it do, if I think that it is a better one, um, and I'm just looking for better quality, I'm just trying to get us off any of the stuff that we should not be having, then that's a place that you could go. And from that, that took me to another place where people, in particular specific to where I was living in L.A., a lot of my clients played various different roles in the entertainment industry. And so they would say, like, I know, you know, so-and-so eats this in her trailer, but we have no good snacks, and we're here for 14-hour days. And then I also had executives who were like, we are there for 14-hour days, and the craft services, I literally had one comedian who would come in, and he would just have X's on his journal, and he would hand it to me, and he'd be like, crap day, crap day, crap day. And I'm like, what? And he's like, instead of craft services, I call it crap services. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I set about creating the Ashley Koff approved craft services project, which was also free. You're going to notice a theme here. It was free. And what I did was I connected the companies that I liked with the craft services and they donated products. And so, yes, I know there are people in a need all over the place that these companies also donate to. And that was not lost on me. But this was really important for me because what we did was we upgraded the nutrition options. There were still crappy options, but we upgraded the nutrition options on set, and that meant that I had more patients that were were successful. And so through things like that, I started to get other opportunities. But when I say I didn't really focus on my own business, you know, even whether like um, at at a point in time uh, when social media started, I was one of the early uh, dietitians and nutrition experts on Twitter and early on the Huffington Post. And Huffington Post was great because we ended up creating a, a, a true health makeover there. I turned to them and said, hey, I'd love to do this because I've done it for magazines before, but I don't get to really say what my clients did. Like, you know, in the in the makeovers, it's, it's more somebody from the magazine is writing it. And so things like that were fun. And I was on Twitter. Uh, and then I started getting asked questions on Twitter. So I would be answering those questions and referring people there. Um, and then lo and behold, there are things like Twitter parties. And then over time, people would say, hey, would you do these Twitter parties? So yeah, I was able to create a following and do all of these things, but I wasn't really creating a business. I was certainly getting paid for my services and getting paid at a good value on that part. And I really appreciated the collaboration and all of those pieces. But what I wasn't doing was asking of others to focus on me and as a result, build a brand and a business. So it was kind of just a different way of building it. And the only reason I point that out now is that in the last couple of years, I have noticed that I have had to, um, and really, I've been pushed into a place of saying, well, I have to be more focused on what it is that I have to offer. And so that really, you know, and also, why am I doing this? Because about four years ago, around the time I moved to D.C., I was also saying, do I really still want to be doing this? The business of nutrition has gotten, there are so many people out there talking about nutrition, people, brands, projects. You know, the same hosts that I would go on as the nutrition experts have published a, I would go on their show as a nutrition expert, they have published books on nutrition. You know, it's like, 
So you're sitting there, and it's like, why, like, and, and yet we don't, we have a population that is not getting any healthier. And so for me, what I took some time and and business coaching and and came to learn is that. I've always been in the business of identifying better nutrition tools and helping people take the information, focus on what information they need, get rid of hopefully the rest so we can get reduce this infobesity that's plaguing us all. And by focusing in on what you actually need to know, now how can we turn that into what you need to be doing? And so I really came around to this space of focusing on better nutrition tools. So in all of that, I've had I have had the classic Hollywood. I've had agents. I've had publicists. I've had, and I think people have been great for me at for at at for and for the part of the business that I was in at that time. And they have also not worked for me. And so you know, navigating some of those legal breakups and navigating some of those you know um, non-legal breakups and or you know just deciding to to um, not have those services. Um, I have also had uh, one person in particular who started off as a personal assistant for me in California really to um, watch my dog and to uh, help me with some of the things around my home because, I, you know, when I was traveling. And he uh, became more and more passionate about my business, and today he's the director of operations for my business, and he knows all of the, you know, he's exposed to and, and understands. And, uh, and his growth is something that I've invested in because I recognize that, you don't just want to have the right people on the bus. You want them to be in the right seat. And I brought somebody onto the bus in a different seat. And so to bring them and to consistently bring him into the right seat and now with other people that we're bringing on board, I want to make sure that they have the training because oftentimes it's really, and for me in the business that I do, it's really about having someone that I trust and who understands my intentions and my values. And if that means that they didn't come from uh, a background, you know, they weren't previously a director of operations for a huge company or, you know, whatever, then now I have to look and say, how do we train you to get you there? So, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing more rewarding than to be able to develop people. Uh, yeah, and if I they've agree. Got, if they've got the horsepower to do a lot of different things, and you're able to develop them to be able to advance your cause, that feels really good. Absolutely. And you know, the biggest takeaway for me is so now I have a couple of interns. I have him. We just got him an assistant, so that's kind of fun. And watching him learn to manage has, has been really uh, um, great on that part too. But the best part for me is in all of this has been learning to be a better business person myself. And so one of the things I think is really interesting and necessary, whether you go into quote-unquote business or whether you go in and become a healthcare practitioner or whether you're a blogger or any of those things, I think you really need to look at who are you as a business person and what's your secret sauce and what's, you know, how do you communicate and all of those pieces um, because I think that that's who you are as a business is should be influenced by who you are as a person. And what I was doing was a lot of the things that were great about me in my personal life, I was not applying those to my business life. Um, and I think that learning to do that has made me a better business person. And part of that has been, you know, I have amazing friends. And I'm like, I don't need a ton of friends. And I would never say that my friends have to audition or, or come from having been a great friend of so-and-so in order to be a great friend for me, you know. But at the same time, I also am really good at vetting and not having and saying, sorry, you actually don't make the cut. Like you're, you know, you may just be an acquaintance. And in my business space, I needed to do a better job of relegating people to acquaintance spaces or saying, 
you're totally awesome, we're just not going to have a relationship, you know, and that kind of a thing. And so that's been very empowering for me. The ability to say no, that is a really good piece of advice. And it's something that I've had to learn, too. I've got lots of professional connections I enjoy being with, and, you know, I I tend to learn something from them, but it's not necessarily additive to my practice or to my business. We just aren't in the same space. That's not to say that we can't be useful to each other, but you know, when you're trying to manage your time and manage your resources, I guess I equate it to a bullseye. You know, there's some people who are in the bullseye and, you know, you've got to really take care of them. And, you know, there's a back and forth and there's something that really works. And then there are people that are in different stages as they move outside the bullseye. And people in the bullseye can, they can get out of the bullseye pretty quickly and other people can graduate and get into the bullseye. Yeah. Just a real, it's a, it can be a flexible thing. My, and, and maybe this is like the DC, like the newly DCer in me, um, but my business coach had me do it as an exercise of, um, and she termed it, who's in your cabinet. And so I had actually create a cabinet and I had rules for who's in your cabinet. Um, and like a cabinet for a president or whomever, you realize I want people for different strengths, right? And people who are for different parts of my business or different parts of my life. And then I had tears coming down from that. Um, and so very, very similar to what you're talking about. And Gosh, it's a great exercise because it also, at different points in time, you can turn around and say, you know what, I want to promote someone. Like, I want this person in my cabinet. Well, what am I going to need to do in order to bring them into my cabinet? And also, what um, communication am I going to need to have with them? Because, you know, to be in my cabinet is like a pretty sweet spot, and it's really important, and I want them to know that I have up, like, I'm like, wow, I am investing in you and investing in us and, you know, in, in that space. And so, to me, it's been really valuable to um, go through that exercise. And, you know, it brings up something it, that's uh, on a parallel path in, in the nutrition and health space is, like, how often do we do all of these things, right? And so, you know, whether it's business coaching or yesterday somebody gifted me the five-minute journal, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try doing the five-minute journal. But then this morning I was like, ooh, got the five-minute journal, but I've also got my meditation app, you know, and suddenly I woke up this morning more stressed than I've ever been with two tools to, like, de-stress me, you know. So I think part of it is just being clear about um, setting time frames. And so, for example, I like to have people do the digestive evaluation and the tune-up on a quarterly or at least twice a year. I think it's really important to assess where your digestive system is. You're not what you eat. You are what you digest and absorb. And so you need to make sure that that's like, that's a top priority. That needs to be happening. But some of this other stuff about, you know, the water and the magnesium, those things may, based on where you are today, may be things that may need to be a priority. But there are also things that we can turn around and say, you know what, those are actually things that I'm going to focus on and I'm actually going to put them on my calendar for a different time period and address them at that point. And so I think moving things around and putting things in priority in the way that you would at work or, you know, in any other space, both for your health and your mental health are are really important in that way too. Ashley, terrific. Thank you very much for being on. Uh, What is the best way for listeners to keep track of you and uh, your services? Thanks. Yeah. So um, the membership and my blog and all that stuff is on my website at ashleycoffapproved.com. And then if you're on social media, it's some version of that or Ashley Koff. um, And I love to interact with you in both places. I I like to tell the story that the last time we saw each other was a few years ago and uh, you were in New York and I made the massive faux pas of meeting you at a steakhouse at my suggestion. (laughs) And you were were not only willing to meet me there and we had a good time to catch up, but you were were willing to be on my podcast even after that. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't be worth my, I guess uh, it should be like organic sea salt or something, but as a practitioner, if I 
if I couldn't walk in and, and have a meal at a steakhouse, um, you know, and, and do it hopefully better. So absolutely. Excellent stuff. Ashley, thank you very much for being on. Thanks, Fraser. It was great. Thanks for listening to the Fraser Rice Podcast. We've been speaking with Ashley Koff, registered dietitian and one of the top nutritionists in the country. Be sure to check out FraserRice.com for additional content and be on the lookout for new podcasts in short order. Thanks again and have a great day.